Hey, welcome to Playing for Keeps, the show where we take a deep dive into emotional intelligence, sex, love, adult attachment theory, mental health, therapy, and everything in between that creates great relationships. Your host, DJ, is a certified life coach and emotional intelligence practitioner. She's here to be of service to all the listeners interested in love and relationship. Now, here's your host, DJ. Hey, everybody, it's your girl, DJ, with Plan for Keeps podcast. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. And if you're a fan of the podcast and have been listening for a while, I truly appreciate the support. To support the show further, please like, subscribe, comment, or share an episode you feel resonates with you that may resonate with someone else to help spread the word. If you really enjoy the show, consider becoming a Patreon. This will help me in continuing to make content like this for the podcast and our dating app, Plan for Keeps, that's focused on self-development, awareness, Love Styles, Emotional Intelligence, Sex, and Attachment Theory. I have a special guest for you guys. I think he will be a treat. Um, His name is David Chambers. He is the owner of The Authentic Man. Um, With his company, he empowers men to create the exciting and deeply connected dating lives, sex lives, and relationships they long for by developing their true authentic selves. As a dating and intimacy coach, coaching men for over a decade, David guides men to create authentic attraction, build deep emotional connection, embody healthy masculinity, and experience connected sexual intimacy by helping them build self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and self-leadership. Today, he is here to speak on the topics of authenticity, conscious relationships, and sexuality. How are you today, David? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well, DJ. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, like I said before, I'm very happy you made time um, to just come on the show and bless us with your information. But before we dive into these topics, I feel like all dating coaches have a story, right? Like why they're on the journey that they're on to help other individuals. Do you mind sharing your journey with us? No, no, I do. I do. I'm happy to. Happy to. I think it's important to... I think it's really important to share where I've come from. Um, if I go back maybe 15 years, um, I was like many 20-year-olds, right? Many 20-somethings. I'm 37 now. Many 20-something-year-olds. I was dating, but I was just a lot of meaningless relationships, you know, a lot of meaningless meaningless hookups. I would probably cl- be classed now, back in those days, there, there wasn't this name for it, but uh, what people commonly called fuckboys, right? That was very <laughs> much like... The way I was going, I was very honest in in a, in a way that was even slightly manipulative because I'd be so honest that it would be, you know, the women I would date would be left with like, okay, he told me he doesn't want anything serious, but actually he gives me all this kind of affection that's really yeah, like nourishing and I want to be around. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. But then I would also be very honest with my words. Um, and I started to see how that was making me feel quite empty and that wasn't leading to the happiness I thought I was going to, I was going to get. Um, I ended up in a relationship for about four years, which was a very good relationship. But what I was struggling with inside that relationship was I struggled to communicate my feelings and emotions, which left my partner often confused about what I was wanting and needing, but often left me confused about her because I didn't really understand what she was feeling either because I couldn't feel my own feelings. So it led to a lot of like conflict, upset, 
I wouldn't say big arguments because I'm not much of an argumentative person. I'm a withdrawer, so I withdraw. So instead of there's an argument, I just withdraw and stop speaking. So you can't have an argument if someone doesn't speak. Yeah. So from going, breaking up, we broke up in the middle of Bolivia uh, about six years ago. Six years ago, yeah, about six years ago. And I was just like, I don't want this to happen again. I'm fed up on my relationships ending in this same cycle, this same pattern. So from there, I just kind of went on a journey of just learning about me, learning about why it is that I feel a certain way? Why do I struggle to, to communicate my emotions? Why do I not feel what I'm feeling? Why am I always just okay? Like I'm never ecstatically good. Why do I never want to be too excited about the future? So I started to really delve into these topics and do a lot of work. I've done all sorts, you know, like workshops. Um, I'm big into the Tantra and things like that. And I've done a lot of healing work and I've kind of embodied that work and I brought that work into my own life and then brought that work into the work that I do, um, as well as, you know, create a really wonderful relationship with my partner also as well. So it's been a real ride, you know, and like now I'm in a relationship which is nourishing, which is open, which is honest, where we communicate, where we are self-responsible, we pick up our own shit, there's no blame, there's responsibility, but also we're not perfect human beings. We don't do that all the time. But when we don't do it, we both equally go, ah, there's something here for, for us to talk about. Yes, let's talk about this maturely in a way. Cool. Has this brought us closer together? Yes. So so it's been a real, real journey for me. Awesome. OMG. I want to back up a second when you talked about, like you were honest with the women, but at the same time it was manipulative because you were so affectionate. How does a man separate the two? Because when I talked to another male friend, him in particular and other ones that I spoke to, they didn't, they don't know how to separate the two, maybe because they're not really avoidant or because they don't withdraw. I don't know, but could you think of how you were able to, to do that? I'm very curious like how you were able to not have feelings, but at the same time be super emotional or did you have feelings? You just didn't know how to communicate that. Yeah. So I guess in those times is that I would be, I would be, when I say affectionate, I would be caring and it wasn't coming from a place of like, um, neediness or needing attachment i would care about you as a human being you know this is something that's always been run through my life is that i care about i'm we're having sex right we're sleeping mm-hmm. together so we spend time together even if we only spend four hours at a time together mm-hmm. i care that in those four hours that you enjoy your time you, you enjoy yourself and i enjoy myself right because mm-hmm. i care about that so and this still runs through my life now. And the problem which made me very different from other men is that most men, if they just want sex or, you know, hookups or even just like, you know, spending the evening together and it was not really progressing into a relationship, most men will treat women quite badly. They will be yeah. quite callous. They'll be quite rude because they're over, they're trying to overly make a point of saying, I don't want anything serious. Whereas I didn't really feel there was a need for that. And I didn't feel that was very respectful. So I would be like, I'm going to, you know, this isn't going to go anywhere. We both know this. We've both talked about this. We're both adults. So if I tell you something and we talk about that, but that doesn't mean I can't cook you dinner and I can't buy a nice bottle of wine and we we can't enjoy the evening. That is so nice. Yeah. That's and then I remember when I was going through my little phase of, I don't want to deal with anybody, but at the same time, I I wanted to deal with somebody and I wanted to, that closeness. I wanted a relationship just like that. Like, okay, there's no titles. We're not nothing extravagant. And that's when I was talking to, my homeboys about it and they're like, that's, that's, that's impossible. You can't, a guy's not going to open up and be nice to you that way. And you guys aren't seriously dating. So that's why I want to circle back because I've, I haven't ran into a man who 
kind of was able to mix the two and that's just what it was. So I had to ask mm-hmm. that. Okay. Um, I have a very similar um, journey to yours, um, but I wasn't the one like being, well, I was manipulative, but on the other end of the, the spectrum, I think for me, I was like the real nice girlfriend, the real nice person, but I didn't fully know that being nice was actually just trying to manipulate somebody to do the things that um, you wanted them to do, or just trying to make somebody stay in my life in the way that I wanted them to stay, even though they didn't, if that makes sense. Um, And I had to do some, I had to do some digging and some work and to just figure out why I was going through the same cycles that I was going through. So I have a very similar journey than yours, but on the other end of the spectrum. Okay, so you're here to talk about three topics. So I want to dig into um, authenticity. Why don't you go ahead and just dig into that topic? I feel like that's important and it's, it's, it's not talked about enough in dating and in relationships. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. It's a real key part of, of the work I do, right? Um, inside of relationships and dating, but everything, even, you know, I work mainly with men. And as men, we're not taught to be who we are. We, men are shown all these different examples of how a man should be. You should be like that guy over there. You should be like this guy over there. You need to be more like that. Even our parents tell us this from a young age. Be more like Marvin. See, Marvin, he's doing well at school. He's mm-hmm. working hard. You get to college and then your teacher might even say to you, your lecturer might even say to you, hey, you need to be more like John over there. You see, John, he's... he's like he's a, you know, from England, he's like, he's a footballer or he, you know, he studies hard. We're always told that who we are isn't enough, right? And then we get into dating and then we experience something that we perceive as rejection, right? So, you know, maybe it's in our younger years, we, we the first woman we kind of like, the first young girl we like, we start talking to her and then she's like, oh, I'm not that into you. I'm into this guy over there. And we look at that guy, right? And we go, okay, that guy isn't like me that means I'm not good enough and he is. So I need to be more like him, right? And we carry this in through our lives and we find all the evidence continually that who we are isn't good enough, right? Yeah. And this grates on our, our authentic self, our core self, who we want to be, right? And it means that we try and put on different masks and different faces. So inside of dating, how this kind of surfaces is where, and I talk for men, right? Because again, like I said, I, I work a lot with men. It's like, it shows up in men, dressing in a way that isn't really who they are, but how they think they need to do, right? It, it turns up in doing a job that you don't like, that you hate, right? That you dislike, that makes you unhappy because, oh, this is what I am meant to do. This is what women like, right? Or talking in a way, doing certain hobbies, certain experiences, lying about certain things that you enjoy and don't enjoy. Maybe even going as far as doing certain experiences just because you think that's what women are attracted to. Or hiding big parts of who you are, like the things you really enjoy doing, the right. things that light up your heart or never even pursuing them because you of the judgment you're afraid of from the outside society. So that stops us from being authentic. So where authenticity starts to come through and people don't realize is that authenticity is incredibly attractive, not just in, in dating and relationships, but also in the wider world, right? right? We all have a friend or a coworker who is so authentic and we're like, man, I love that guy. I love right. that girl, right? <laughs> Being around them is great. And we almost don't know why, because sometimes there's even parts of them we don't really like about them. There's something about them we don't, also we don't like, right? 
but we accept it because they're just, they are who they are and they don't try and pretend they don't feel uncomfortable by it. And this is the factor that we really find attractive is authenticity. So when we can bring our authentic selves into our dating lives, right? When we can bring our authentic selves confidently and, and to the front, people will gravitate us, to us more. Now, the people that resonate with us will gravitate to us more, meaning the people who are like us, who like people like us will gravitate to us more. And the people that don't like us or the people that are like us, they will also move away. So it's like a real magnetism effect. Right. So how do you break the mold to a man that comes to you? And because naturally we want everybody to like us. Mm. So how do you break the mold when somebody comes to you and, you know, they, they want to improve their date in life, but, you know, they don't, they don't even, they don't know how to get to their authentic self or um, they're scared to just show that because they feel like their authentic self, no woman would care for. How do you work with someone like that? Like, Yeah, so I start to, you know, first of all, I like to ask them about what it is they're hiding. And people don't answer that question, right? And they don't, they often we don't even know. Right? Yeah, I say a lot of people don't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't even know. So I ask that question and then usually there's some blankness. And like, okay, cool. And then I start digging into values and beliefs. Like what are your values and what do you believe about yourself and the world? When we start digging into people's values and beliefs, it's not getting really interesting because we start looking at values and it's like, what do we value? Maybe we value connection, right? Maybe one of your values is connection. Like, okay, values, connection. So are you living this value? And then we just start inquiring because coaching really is a process of inquiring. So it's like, are you living this value? Okay, give me some instances where there's connection. Give me some instances where there's not connection. And then you start to see whether people are living their values. And a lot of the time, our values are in our minds, but we're not living them. We're not embodying our values, right? Got you. We're we're embodying other values, often that's like safety, comfortability. So... In, in when these things start to crop up in the coaching, we start to compare and go, what's more important to you? Is it being connected to people or is it being comfortable? And then we start looking at what actions do we need to take? What's stopping you from being more, you know, um, connected with people? And often what comes up is fear. Yeah. Fear is the thing that stops us. Fear is the thing that stops us. And then when you dig into fear, you start to look at, are these fears real? Most of, our feels, most of our fears are completely made up in our minds. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But we can't even see that because a lot of our fears will masquerade as things like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't like that. I'm not interested in that. People like me don't do that. And statements like that that we tell ourselves. That's a big one. Yeah, the subconscious mind is really hard to, to, to fight. Or is it the ego? It's really both, right? The ego and the subconscious Yeah, yeah, because they're, yeah. they're playing together. Got you. Okay, so that's how you would work with a man to bring out their um, authenticity. That's that's cool. I like the way you, you ask them about their values and then you realize that they're not really living their values because I, I know when I talk to other coaches, they'll say that people don't even know their values. How, do you run into a lot yeah. of people like that too who, who don't even know what their values are or they just spit off things that they might think are their values just based off of maybe what their parents told them or, and they just, they really don't know who they are at all. Do you run into people like that too? Yeah. Yeah. So you run into people who are like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. So, so when you don't know what your values are, the first thing is, okay, so what do you do with yourself? What do you do with your life? 
what do you do? You work. Okay, what sort of job it is? I start, I get into your life because your life is a um, an expression of your values. Okay. Right? And sometimes, and this is where, why having a coach to do this work is important because sometimes people go, okay, I love playing video games. Okay, cool. And then you say, so what do you think sort of value that is? And people go, oh, that value is I like to have fun. Okay, that might be. Might. But then I might say, yeah, when do you play video games? Ah, uh, when I'm stressed. Ah. Uh, so you, you're stressed when you play video games. Yeah, yeah, it helps me relax. Okay, so sometimes is it that there's important things you want to do that are meaningful to you that you end up playing video games instead? Yes, I do. I do. Wow. Okay, so you think it's, is it that you want to have fun or is it you're trying to avoid stress and you want to be comfortable? You want things to be easy, right? So is that the value in that instance? Because sometimes we trick ourselves. We're like, oh, mm-hmm. my value is, you know, even travel can be an interesting value, right? An adventure. The people go, oh, I value travel. And then you speak to them, you get into a bit more. And actually when they travel, they're always running away from something. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's true too. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. True too. So it's, it's, it's where you have to do that digging to look at your values and then go, okay, these are the values that I'm living, but I haven't chosen them consciously. They've just kind of landed on me subconsciously. My ego has brought them through. My dysfunctional beliefs have brought them up. So mm-hmm. my conscious values I'm going to choose now are these. And how do I start living out of those values? How do I start taking action from those, that area of things? And, and that's what transforms your life in terms yeah. of not just dating in the, in the across all aspects your, of your life your whole life right so um once you identify a person's value say they maybe didn't know their values and you, you have to you you know you talk to them and pick things through through your coaching how do you help them live out those values do you have a particular like coaching plan that everyone follows or do you help i'm sure you help individuals and you have like your own thing that you do with like individual men that you coach. Am I assuming right? Yeah, yeah. For me, it's all completely bespoke. Everybody gets a completely different experience based on where they're at and where they're trying to go to. Um, Ultimately, there's usually, you know, the values is one of the first first things, like how expression. And, you know, usually with men, there's some work around emotions. If if you're struggling to connect with people from in, in a dating sense, one of the f- most likely areas you struggle is emotional expression an expression of who you are. That is probably the number one thing I see is you're struggling to express who you are. And because you can't express who you are, people don't feel you. Right. And if you're a man and you're dating women, women want to feel a man. She wants to feel him and where he is, his edges and the different parts of him. But if you're just a gray cloud, right. You're just a bit numb. You're a bit uh, generic and there's no expression there. A woman will come across you and she'll just be like, ah, she won't feel anything. She'll just be like, ah, nothing, right? It's it's why um, there's this this, this old, I don't want to call it tripe, but there's an old whole thing about that women love bad boys, right? Yeah. It's, It's not that women love bad boys. It's that women, they want to feel some emotional experience, some emotional tension, right? And as much as bad, bad boys are saying, they have boundaries, they know what they want. They have drive. They're going for the things. And they're also willing to say, hey, you're not what I want. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do this thing tonight. Sorry, I'm busy. I've got plans with my friends. I've got, you know, these sorts yeah. of things. Whereas when you're not expressing yourself and you're trying to be likable to all people, right, there's no emotional tension. Yo, I love how you how you said that because that makes me feel a little bit better about what my quote-unquote type used to be. Because I used to be like, I'm bored, mm. I'm bored, I'm bored. And 
I guess I guess the quote unquote nice guy, like you, maybe they are all like clouds and they don't really express how they feel. Because I know me personally, even now with the knowledge that I have, I don't like I, I couldn't deal with a yes man. Cause you're not mm, really telling me how you, you're not telling me how you feel. Like it's not, a, it can't yeah. be a yes to everything. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. All right. Awesome. I want to actually dig into conscious relationships um, and just hear, you know, your thoughts on conscious relationships and how you help men with that. I feel like that's an issue with majority of the men here, especially in the States. I know you're, you're in um, the UK, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in London. Okay, so let me see the similarities. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's funny because quite a few of my clients are in the states. I've got a, a few guys out in uh, one guy in Nevada, um, and a guy in New York that I work with as well. Um, so the thing with with being conscious, right, is and a conscious relationship is where we look at what's happening and we take responsibility, right? Instead of blaming. For instance, you're in a relationship with someone. Let's set up a, uh, a scenario here, right? Mm-hmm. We'll set it up a man with, with a woman and she keeps cheating on him and he keeps taking her back. And he's like, oh, why does she keep doing this to me? Or maybe this is a pattern he has. He keeps meeting women that cheat on him, right? Oh, mm-hmm. this, is a, this is a pattern. Like, why do women do this to me? Now, inside of that sentence, right? Why do women do this to me? right? There's a lack of consciousness, right? It's a lack of awareness. There's a blaming, there's a point, a finger pointing, like it's happening outside of me and I'm powerless, right? Mm. So when we're conscious, we go, how am I responsible for this? What am I doing? Right. And where can I shift my actions to get a different outcome? So inside of this example here for the man is for him to go, Hey, I don't really like the way that you're treating me. And I doesn't make me feel like I'm valued or I want to be in this relationship and then set a boundary and be like, Hey, if you cheat on me again, then I'm going to leave the relationship. Right. And then if she cheats on him again, he leaves. Right. And he sticks to his awareness and consciousness and and the, and the value he has in himself. You can set up another dynamic in, for instance, um, where you're in a relationship and two people that don't communicate very well. Right. They're always hinting at each other, you know, oh, they should know how I feel. They should guess what's going on. Now, inside of a more conscious relationship, you don't leave things to guessing. You you express what's there for you and you take ownership as well. I am feeling this thing happened. You know, we had an argument and I'm feeling as if I didn't get to say everything I wanted to say. So you take ownership of what's going on. Right you didn't get to say, they didn't stop you from saying, you didn't say what you wanted to say. And then you express, this is what I'm feeling, blah, blah, blah. And maybe even outside of that, there is a need you need to also express because inside of being more conscious than you're relating is to express your needs, your wants and your desires, both, you know, in the bedroom, outside the bedroom, whatever, but you express these things. And so that we put everything out into the open so it can be discussed Right? right. So it's there in our consciousness for us to to kind of relate to from a point of view of adults. Right. And gravitate towards. So a lot of people who aren't conscious within relationships and conscious within dating, or I, I would say they probably are, but there's a fear there, right? Because they don't want to, to maybe lose the person. So they don't say what they really want and they don't um, do what they really want to do. Um, how do you work with somebody who owns up to the fact that they're afraid? Like, I'll give you an example. Um, 
I have uh, my best friend and her man. They every six months they argue about the same thing. It, it's a, it's always the same thing. I won't get into too much on what the same thing is because they do listen to my podcast sometimes. But um, <laughs> they argue about the same thing, and it came to a head where she was filing separation papers, and. Um, you know, one of the issues that came up was he was like, I'm scared to lose her. So I, there's a lot of things that I don't say. So basically the last argument was, you know, he, I call him the the good guy gaslighter because he, you could tell passive aggressively, like she'll ask him something and he, you can tell he don't want to do it, but he'll do it anyway. Or just things will come up. He was, he's like the yes man, but you can, you can kind of feel sometimes he doesn't want to do certain, certain things. And he exploded on her and it was just kind of like, oh, this, so this is how you feel? So, you know, she's, you know, thinking about really separating this time. And he just, he admitted to me, you know, when he called me to talk to me about it, um, he never said a lot of the things because he didn't want to lose her. And I know that's what a lot of people go through when they don't put their emotions out there or they don't put their needs out there because they don't want to come off too clingy or too needy or this or that. Um, how do you work with a man who has these insecurities? How do you make them see that you have to put your desires out there and your wants out there in order for you to have a healthy relationship and build a healthy relationship? Because if you are just a yes man, like I was saying, it's not authentic. The person really doesn't know you. So it's, it's not a good relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the first things I, I, I work for a lot of men with when they're in a relationship is like, I asked the question is how can you meet the needs for yourself? How can you give yourself what you need? Right. Instead of always expecting your partner to give you energy, give you the things that you need, maybe give you attention, maybe make you feel good about yourself, you know, maybe mm-hmm. cook your dinner even as a need. Right. So it's like, because if you can start meeting your needs yourself, you don't put that, you don't outsource your needs to someone else onto your partner. So, right. When you start doing that, you start going, okay, I can enjoy my partner more now because I don't have as much expectation of them. And I also feel happier because I can fulfill some of my needs. Then we've got the situation inside of what you were saying, where the man isn't expressing what he's feeling. Right. So he bottles it up. Right. And then he explodes every so often. So inside of this actually is to teach him to say no, right? Yeah. Teach him to say no. So your, you know, maybe your partner says, ah, oh, it's 3 a.m. in the morning. I've just been out with my girls. Can you come and pick me up? Look, baby, I really love you. You know, I do. But you know what? I'm in bed and you can call a taxi. Because he can say no. He can say no. And it's, he can say no, and it's okay. And the, his fear is, is if he says no, she will not want him, right? Because he's been bad. He's been, but actually she will be glad, right? Because she, at least she knows where she stands. Because in the other way around, right? He's saying yes, he's coming over, he's, he's driving over, right? He's all passive aggressive as he's driving. He's grumpy, he's annoyed, right? And yeah. she's a bit like, look, man, if, just don't say yes then if you're going to be this way and then it'll maybe drag that out for a bit right because mm-hmm. because he feels he's being dutiful but actually you'd much rather just said no just because you know where you stand that's true and then let me ask you this because sometimes the girl will be like yo he really didn't come fucking pick me up so say if that 
for that particular situation, would you say if the relationship ended just based off of that, it was the wrong relationship for the two of them? Or what would you say on that? So, now that I'm thinking yeah, so it, ex- it, may, it might be because if she's, anyway, go ahead. Let me, let me hear you out. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's also the fact that these things are negotiation, right? When we are saying yes and no in a relationship, it's a negotiation, right? You ask me to do something. I have the, I have the option of saying no, right. and you have the option of saying, Hey, this is really important to me. Like in that instance, it could be, Hey, I'm not feeling that safe. It's three o'clock in the morning. Please. Can you come and pick me up? Right. And in hearing that, right. He now has, hears this and goes, okay, I love you. I want you to be safe. I'm going to come and get you. Right. Right. But it's, it's, and I've just used that example as a kind of a random example, but one of the things is, it's like saying no. Right. Because there's this idea inside of, uh, uh, especially with nice guys. And again, I work with a lot of these guys because they, they want more confidence. They want to be assertive and all these things. And it starts with saying no to things, right. Simply saying, Hey, no. And we have this idea and because it's what we grew up with in some way, right. In our families that when we said no, there was huge arguments. Right. right? Well, we couldn't assert ourselves. We didn't have choice. We always had to do what other people wanted us to do. But what we don't realize is it's a bit like the bad boy, right? The bad boys will say no, because they're like, I'm not doing that shit. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to that film. I want to go to this other film because they're willing to lead and assert and say what they need and what they want. Right. And when we say what we need and what we want, we know where someone is. We know what they stand for. Right. We're not ambiguous or vague about who they are. Right. We know right. who in relationship with. There's nothing worse than someone who says yes to you all the time, but you feel that they don't want to say yes. Right. You feel that after they said yes, they're miserable, they're annoyed, they're angry, they're passive aggressive because all that does is for them, it builds up, it bottles up all that um, aggression that's there, right? Mm-hmm. The emotion. You feel a little bit of it and then every so often it blows up. But in fact, all that person needs to do is say no every week to something. And that emotion, anger that builds up doesn't happen. Yes, I totally agree. And that's what I told him last week when we were talking. Like, he didn't take my advice though, by the way. So I don't, I don't know what they got going on, but um, he's very deep in there. And I think he, I actually need to give him your contact information. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how you went in more in depth with your scenario where the guy said no, but then the girl could also come back and really let him know how important it is that he picks her up because she needs to be safe. Because like you said, she yeah, can yeah. also come back and, after a person says no, it doesn't have to automatically be a no. You also can say something else. So, um, awesome. And then sexuality. Tell me a little bit about sexuality. I know you mentioned tantric sex, which I recently learned about last year. Um, how do you incorporate that in your practice and then just sexuality in general, like for men in your practice, I'm very eager to learn about that. Yeah. So for men, often there's this uh, societal idea that we, you know, the, uh, the way we see men is that men are the only people enjoying sex, right? You know, there's all sorts of statistics around the orgasm gap and like, you know, what is it? You know, something like in the eighties or ninety percent of men they have an orgasm when they have sex, right? And compared, yeah. and compared for women, I think it's like sixty or below sixty. It's probably below. I think it's around forty percent. Right. Yeah. So there's a big gap. But when you start speaking to men about this, you realize that just because a man has come doesn't mean he enjoyed having sex. Hmm. That just means he came. 
Y'all, right. I, I need you to dig a little deeper in that real quick before you I, <laughs> tell me a little yeah, bit yeah, about yeah, because, that. Because, you know, a lot of men, they, um, they are having sex in the way they think they should have sex, right? Mm. So they've watched a lot of porn, right? They've heard their friends talking about it. You know, there's no real sex education in terms of how a man can experience pleasure and how a woman can experience pleasure, right? No one okay. teaches us like, yeah. hey, this is how you touch a woman's body so she can have a full body orgasm. This is how mm. you stroke a penis, right? So that the penis slowly becomes alive and you can bring on different waves of arousal to, to bring it to a really beautiful high where a man feels his orgasm, not just, not just in his penis, but in his whole body. No one teaches us that. We watch porn from the age of 13, right? Where it lasts for about five minutes Right. It's hard and fast like a jackhammer, right? And then it's over. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So basically... So that's what most people take into sex. Got you. Okay. Because I, I'm not going to lie. I honestly thought, you know, when a man come, he, he felt good. He's released. He's good. So no, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that he enjoyed it. Well, he in, this depends on the man and his experience, right? So if he's only experienced that sort of sex where it's just like very linear, you know, we get naked, we do a minimal bit of foreplay, the penetration happens and then it's over. Right. If that's all he's used to, he'll think, Oh, that's good. And that might all last 20 minutes. Right. And he's like 20 minutes. That's great. You know, but (laughs) from from my point of view and the man that I start to work, if I start teaching them how, you know, really a man can feel so much more pleasure if he slows down, you know, he takes his time. He becomes a bit more present because I know a lot of us, a lot of people struggle with, with just being present during sex, just right. feeling their body and feeling the arousal building in the body instead of in their fears about their body, about how their body looks, maybe fears about their performance, fears right. about what the other person's going to think. Maybe we're even stressed about work. Okay. Like stress is one of the biggest reasons why people don't enjoy sex because they go into having sex with their partner, whoever. And they're stressed about their day. They haven't let go of what happened before. Got you. So a lot of the work I do in this area is like I incorporate a lot of stuff I learned through through my tantric learnings and my body and my life is, first of all, is like letting go of stress. How can we let go of stress, right? Stress is one of the biggest killers of libido, especially in men, right? Mm-hmm. And stress is also contributes to things like premature ejaculation or uh, erectile dysfunction as well. Okay. Right? You know, stress, porn overuse and uh, poor masturbation practices, poor breathing, all these things contribute to to premature ejaculation and okay. um, uh, premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction, right? Those things contribute to those two things. So when a man can start to relax, slow down, feel his body, right? Feel the senses, learn to realize that things aren't linear, right? Sex isn't a linear process. Sex can be like waves, like sound waves. You see them, they kind of bob up and down. We can go, you know, we can go generally in an upward direction, but we can take it up and down. We can rise the speed and arousal and then drop it down a little bit and up again. It doesn't have to be this linear process. We're not going to lose along the way. If you start to slow things down, you don't lose everything, right? You can stay in the energy of the feeling, the men start to have better sex. They start to be more connected to their body, to their sensations. They have bigger sensations, more feeling, right? And then the women they're with, they sleep with women. The women are enjoying the sex more. They're more present. They feel more connected. They're enjoying it more. They have better orgasms. So like inside of that work, it's, um, yeah, it's really beautiful stuff. Like I work with 
with with when I work one to one, I work with men. But I also work with couples with my with my partner also who run workshops and stuff around this. And it's a lot of simple practices, a lot of very very simple practices to start with. Okay. And it's it's transformative because if you've never done some of this stuff, right? And your sex is 20 minutes all the time and you just go as hard as you can for a jack, like a jack, like literally like a jackhammer, jack hammer, like yeah. most guys, you know, um, for 20 minutes and then you finish and then maybe you go again, maybe three times, right? You bring in some of these practices and you're having sex for four hours, right? And it's slow and it's enjoyable and your whole body comes alive. Right. Yeah. You don't want to go back to that, that 20 minutes stuff again. I'll have to, I don't know. Cause I've ran into, I've ran, I've been, I've ran into guys on that. I think for some women too, they would have to get used to that because tantric sex mm. isn't the norm. I know I ran into a guy who could hold his, and when, when he did, you know, you could, you could see his whole body reacting. So I have a visual of that. But I know too, I think maybe because I'm so used to the fast pace, I'd be like, are you going to, you know, so I, I might need some education around that too, to see um, how that experience really is. Like, and I know he tried to introduce it to me and I was just like, oh, I don't know if this is my thing. But like you said, you, you never know. Okay. So that's how, and I think that would help a guy just all the way around, like with trying to get to know himself and, and um, bringing um, consciousness to him as far as growing relationships and stuff like that. So like I said, I learned about tantric, but maybe I need to do a little bit more digging into it myself because like I said, I've been introduced to it, but it was real briefly. And I just, I didn't know if it was my thing, but I think it's more so of just what I've been used to. Okay. What projects do you have going on right now? I know I saw a few on your website. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, <laughs> it caught me at a, an interesting time. I had to put up a new, a load of new kind of events. Like I run events quite regularly. Okay. Um, for many of my, my events are just for men, but some of them for, I include women in there as well. So I've got a couple of workshops going on. I've got one about authenticity. This is a really beautiful workshop where I talk about how we can, it's called being authentically attractive. It's like how we can embody, uh, authenticity to be more attractive instead of this you know tra- playing playing games and trying to be someone we're not and lying and pretending because all that takes a lot of energy and that takes our energy away from actually enjoying ourselves um i've got that coming up on the 19th of august i've got a workshop for men around foreplay it's really teaching men about the subtle arts of foreplay not all the you know i go through anatomy and how to touch a woman and i've got all sorts of props and stuff that i show people and this is a workshop i kind of developed my partner uh, really helped me with this one actually like really just like getting the nuts and bolts of things that you know are really beautiful and for because she works with women okay so yeah so i've got a foreplay workshop and then i've got a couples workshop i'm running with my partner which is in august the 26th um so yeah, I've got loads. I've also got a workshop, a new one I've just created. It's called Mindful Masturbation for Men. And that's all around, as men, we often have quite dysfunctional relationships to masturbating. It's, we do it when we're stressed, when we're angry, when we're uncomfortable, when we release some tension. And that goes on to affect our sexual um, connection and our ability to be present in sex because we, we're we so used to it being a certain way, right? So we go into yeah. sex and we can't relax properly. And equally, the porn use as well can also cause men, as I said before, to suffer from premature ejaculation um, and erectile dysfunction. So it's about creating a healthy relationship with masturbation and turn it into a really 
enjoyable, pleasurable experience that can actually expand expand the man's orgasmic potential. You know, through okay. through a practice okay. you can do through the body. I want to ask you a question before you go because I think you have another. Did you have another event? I thought I saw another one on your site, but I wanted to ask a question. Could you? Give- yeah, yeah, I've got a few more. Okay, let me let me ask before you go into your other event. Give one tip on how a man could actually hold their ejaculation for tantric sex because, like you said, um, you can go four hours and then you know you find the orgasm or however long you know a person goes in that sexual style. What one tip you would give for mm. them to be able yeah. to hold? Yeah, breathing, breathing okay. deeply. One of the things we get into and we start to get stressed and you, you know, anyone listening to this can observe this is when you get stressed, notice where your breathing happens. When we get stressed, we breathe only into the top of our chest, right? Mm. It sounds like this, <laughs> right? We, we're stressed, right? And isn't that exactly the same way people breathe most of the time when they're having sex, right? So that actually breathing like that creates stress. Mm, right it's okay. not the stress that creates it it's just our, our our brains have been programmed like oh when you're stressed you breathe like this so we breathe like that but when we start to breathe deeply into our belly like it activates our um our nervous system to relax right and when we relax more blood will flow through the body more blood mm. will flow to the penis as well right which actually allows you to last longer and actually also, it allows you to start to feel more in your whole body because your body relaxed. When your body's tense, right, you don't feel much in your body when it's tense because everything's in your head because you need right. to be alert. When you start to relax your body sensations, your legs, your feet, your body will feel more. So through the breathing, it's not just you, mean you can last longer. You also feel more during sex. And for a lot of us, when, we, when I say that, like feel more, it's like, what else is there to feel, right? You have an ejaculation, you come, it's in your, you know, it's in your cock, yeah, right? But actually, but actually, as many women who have, you know, female orgasm is very expansive, very big, right? Mm-hmm. Women can feel it all over their bodies, right? right? Because it becomes a whole, like in the chest, it's, you know, it's all over. It's, it's shaking and all sorts, right. right? Men can do the same. It's just that most men don't know how to breathe properly, plus a few other Got things you. to get to the point where they can feel it in their whole bodies. You, you've got to be an amazing coach to be able to get men to do this because I can, I, I can only imagine like you having to be at least confident within yourself to, to even just breathe deeply and just be vulnerable sexually. Or again, it might, again, it might be me and my exposure to men on this level with themselves. So kudos to you and your coaching and, and everything that you do. I just, I just want to add that in before you go into your other events. Thank so you. yeah. <laughs> and what else do you have going on? Oh uh, yeah, you caught me at a time where I just like uploaded a bunch of events. I've got one about boosting sexual performance. Okay. Um another couple's uh, workshop I run around tantric massage, which is another one I run with my partner. That's in uh, mid-September. And I've got one around creating the spark. You know, in dating, we're always about creating the spark. How can I create the spark at like the attraction? You know, I've got a whole yeah. workshop about how you can do that through conversation. Um, that's in September. And the last one is a, a workshop that we've just created, me and my partner. This is a new one. It'll be the first time we're running this. Um, a guide to tantric foreplay. Um, oh. Because a lot of people, people always associate tantra to sex. It's not all about sex. There is a portion of, of tantra to sex, but tantra is a, a spiritual path. It's a path to enlightenment that just encompasses sexual energy and, and intercourse as a, as a, a kind of a step 
to to higher states of 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 pleasure and existence and and divine enjoyment so awesome there's a lot to it awesome now where can the audience find you yeah yeah you can find me you know instagram is where most people find me that's the best place to kind of check me out i do videos i do like instagram lives i do a lot of content on instagram so you can find me at the authentic man underscore um on instagram you can go to my website as well um that is www.theauthenticman.net um you can also find my podcast as well which is the authentic man um with david chambers and i interview like amazing guests from all over the world uh from authors to coaches to friends sexologists i've i've you know i've talked to all sorts of things with people about issues that affect men mainly around dating relationships and connection and sexuality of course so okay and all of those links will be in the show notes david again i want to thank you for your time you're welcome you're welcome it was a pleasure it's a pleasure real fun Awesome. And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. And until next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. If you like this podcast, please download and subscribe. If there's anything you would like to talk about in regards to relationships or would like to be a guest on the show to speak on relationships or get advice, you can always connect via social media at Playing for Keeps or email DJ at info at P, the number four, K, dating.com. Thank you for tuning in and bye for now.